Coming up, everybody, wouldn't it be nice if the guy in the mechanic suit still ran out to meet you at the gas station, filled the tank, and checked the oil? Is public service dead? I guess it depends on the question, what service have you done lately? We're talking about that next on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Mitt Romney received a chorus of boos while addressing the NAACP convention about his plans to repeal Obamacare. Romney argued blacks have gotten a raw deal from the nation's first African-American president. The unemployment rate, the duration of unemployment, average income. To start, there was polite applause from the Houston convention, but when he talked about what he'd do differently, the politeness vanished. I'm going to eliminate every non-essential expensive program I could find. That includes Obamacare, and I'm going to work to reform and save. The boos were a blunt reminder of the uphill battle Romney faces in peeling off black votes. Mark Smith at the White House. Democrats are now blocking tax cut plans in the Senate, endorsed by the president. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell called for a vote on the president's tax cut plan, as well as one on the GOP approach. The Senate should make itself clear which policy it supports. But Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid quickly blocked the effort. I object. Prompting this from Utah Senator Orrin Hatch. They are filibustering their own bill. While Reid says he first wants to finish a bill that would provide tax breaks to businesses that hire new workers, some Democrats don't support the president's approach, believing the $250,000 threshold is too low. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. Computer experts are showing that a search on how to kill people was made by the teenage boy who ended up stomping the head of a girl who harassed him later. As prosecutors rested their case, jurors heard from a computer expert, Gene Burtnett, that the day before a brutal attack, someone logged in as Wayne Tracy did an Internet search. They went to Google. They put in their search terms, and the search term was how to kill someone. But at that point in time, Tracy didn't know the victim and would only meet and attack her after an exchange of text messages. Defense lawyers say it was a taunting message about Tracy's brother's suicide that led to insanity. Tony went in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The most memorable moments in television history have nothing to do with sports or concerts. The 9-11 attack tops the list by a huge margin. The most horrific scene I've ever seen in my whole life. New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani voicing the sentiments of tens of millions who watched coverage on September 11th. Sony Electronics and Nielsen surveyed more than a thousand people online, asking them if they not only remember watching an event, but also where they were and who they were with while they were watching. September 11th was nearly twice as powerful as a second rank moment. Katrina, a lasting memory of helicopter rescues of people stranded on rooftops in a flooded New Orleans. The Kennedy assassination is second for people 55 and over, while the death of Osama bin Laden ranks second for 18 to 34-year-olds. I'm Tim McGuire. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Yes! Uh, Your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can every day on this show to help you and your loved ones grow healthy, happy lives. 
healthy, happy relationships. Welcome to the program, everybody. We got a doozy for you. If you've ever been sitting there, uh, if you remember the old days, you know, you'd pull up your car into the gas station. Bing, bing. You'd hear the bing, bing. And some really great person would run out as fast as they could and start washing your windows. Now, this actually happened to me where I went to small town Utah, pulled up, and um, it was the weirdest thing. Because, you know, I grew up and that's what you do. The people would run to your car. They'd wash your windows. They'd check your oil. Those were the days, right? They'd fill your car up with gas. So I'm driving through old school Utah, pull up into some little gas station, you know, not sure what I'm going to be charged here because I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I hear um, right when I pull up, I hear I just see these people opening the door and running out to my car. And I'm like, oh, boy, what's going on? A robbery? Somebody robbing this store and trying to get away. Am I going to be carjacked? And uh, they just look at me like, uh, what can I get you? They said, "Uh, what? I said, how can I help you? Well, I'm here to get some gas. Well, what kind of gas would you like? How much would you like? What, you know, and I had to like, I could not believe it. They were actually serving me. It was the weirdest thing. Like, I don't have to get out and go in and beg them to hit my pump and let's go. Come on. Can we, can you hit pump four? We're not, we're we're not moving there. So it blew my mind all of the sudden out of nowhere, someone's serving again. They're doing my windows and they're doing it without even me running over a little thing that goes bing, bing. What is the deal? It threw me back. Now, it drives me crazy because should I be so weirded out by somebody just trying to offer really good customer service? Then I was sure when I see how much per gallon I'm going to pay, I knew I'd have to pay for it then, right? You got to pay for that service. Lo and behold, not too expensive, not more expensive than you know the place on the corner. Middle of Booneyville, they just felt it was important to give a good experience. They want you coming back. And you know what? Customer service is not dead. Of course, it only exists in one place, apparently. Because then, meanwhile, I've been on family trips recently and on these other family trips, you know, I need to take food back at a restaurant. And I'm like, hey, you know, this isn't quite right. Uh, I think it needs to be cooked more. And they're like, oh, jeez. Okay. Sorry. We'll do it again. And I just felt like, well, I, mean, I don't want to put out, I don't want to put you out. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want to create problems for you. Customer service is it out there? Do you feel like customer service is dead? And not just customer service. Do you feel like, as a culture, as a society, as a group of people, are we better at serving others, or are we getting worse? Think about your own life. Think about your own kids. If you drop something in the middle of the floor, would all of your children dive to pick it up to help you? out to serve you? Or would it be like, really, who's going to get it this time? Service. That's what we're talking about on the show today. Does it exist? Customer service, uh, not just customer service, community service. Are you out there serving your community? And we're going to bring it right back down into our relationships and right back to you. Are you a person who serves the other? Are you a person who gives and lifts the heart of another. According to dictionary.com, service is defined as an act of helpful activity to help or aid another. Would you consider yourself somebody who is service oriented? That is the topic of the show. We're going to be bringing on a, an expert who wrote a book called Serves You Right. And uh, her name is Susan Brooks, wonderful woman who really understands this inside and out. She's going to give us her take on every level of service from community, world service, all the way down to you personally in your most intimate and loving relationships. 
Service 101. That's on the show today. We're here with Matt Townsend. Now, you know, we hear a lot of things, right, about are, are we better off or are we worse off than we used to be? Is that a true idea? I want you to figure that out. One of our producers, Ben Wagner, went out to investigate if we're actually more selfish or less willing to give surface service than we once were. There's a tendency in our culture to sometimes romanticize the past, and you hear this all the time. Things were just better back then. Politicians, pundits, religion, film critics, baseball fans, you see it everywhere. We want to believe that life was simpler, purer, and better in the past. The new Aaron Sorkin show, The Newsroom, is often guilty of this, arguing that America was better off when we had Murrow and Cronkite instead of Maddow and O'Reilly. But I'm always skeptical of this kind of nostalgia. Do we really want to return to the past and were things actually any better? Sure, technology has its downsides, but do we really want to wait two weeks for a message to travel all the way across the country? And our political climate is admittedly frightening, but do we want to go back to a time where one man could take over one of the world's most powerful countries on the promise of exterminating an entire race? And trust me, I get that the Transformers movies were an abomination and a symptom of a larger problem with the American film industry, but... Okay, actually, I don't have a counter to that. Transformers was just an abomination. But one thing I often hear is that we are, as a society, more selfish now than ever before. Greed rules the day. But again, I'm skeptical of this attitude. Greed has been around for forever. Faustus, Macbeth, Caesar, all found their downfall through a selfish desire, and greed was discussed by Plato, Dante, and Socrates. You could even argue that the first sin came from Eve's greed, her desire to want more, a knowledge of good and evil. As long as mankind has been around, greed has existed. It didn't start with Michael Douglas's character in Wall Street. So are we actually more selfish now than we were before? I was curious to know, so I decided to find out an exercise which mostly consisted of me googling variations of are we more selfish than before. But there were some surprising results. According to data collected by Global Humanitarian Assistance, humanitarian aid in 2008 and 2009, the height of the global recession, was significantly higher than in the preceding years. Now, that's both in terms of actual dollars given and humanitarian aid donated as a percentage of developed countries' gross national income. Now, in fact, the GHA estimates that private donations to charitable organizations increased by about 50% from 2006 to 2008. And in fact, although worldwide humanitarian aid has spiked at times when there's a major natural disaster, the overall trend is since 1992, which was the earliest data point available for this study. The overall trend since 1992 has been steady increases in worldwide humanitarian aid. And on a national level, analysis done by Forbes magazine in 2008 showed that Americans give more to charity, both per capita and as a percentage of gross domestic product, than any other nation in the world. And most surprisingly, perhaps... While the top 10% of income earners do give the most to charity in the United States, in terms of actual dollars, they account for over 25% of all charitable donations. It is actually the low-income Americans who give the highest percentage of their income to charity. Now, people can continue to complain that the Twitter generation is more selfish than any that has come before it, but Twitter was used to quickly generate millions of dollars in immediate aid to the tsunami relief efforts in Japan just last year. Are we, as a society, more selfish than before? Maybe. We also spend more time playing video games, watching YouTube, and eating fast food than ever before. But does that make us selfish, or are we just bored and hungry? 
While we may be watching a lot of TV or playing video games, around the world more time, effort, and money is being used for good than at any other point in human history. Pretty good for the most selfish society ever. Ben Wagner reporting there. Excellent work, Ben. Uh, So true. It's interesting. When you think about giving and service, um, maybe it's the service that's the hard part. Uh, The giving of our money maybe is easier than the serving of the people. (laughs) Maybe it's easier for us to write a check than it is to actually have to deal with the customer in front of us or to actually connect or to bend over right in the middle of the floor when somebody dropped their plate and help them pick it up. Service. Do you feel like you do a very good job of serving? We're bringing on expert Susan Brooks after the break. She uh, is she's an author, a speaker, and has built a multi-million dollar organization with the great spirit of service. We're going to be talking to her. We also want to be talking about how service is not just about something we do for our customers. It's also something we do for our families and the people we love the most. That's what we're going to be focusing on for the rest of the show. Stay with us. You'll be asking yourself, though, while you're at break here, how are you as a servant? Are you giving? Are you caring? Are you leaving some things out there? to the world and and helping to give and be more with others. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We will be back after this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Extended stays on the moon. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The intrepid explorers who first landed on the moon only had a few minutes outside their ships to explore and capture samples to return to Earth. For the future, NASA and industry partners are working on designs for a lunar settlement that will allow astronauts to stay and work on the moon longer, much like the astronauts living and working on the International Space Station. Why? Extended stays on the moon will allow lengthier experiments, greater sample returns, and the opportunity to establish a launching point for future missions beyond our current reach. University students competing in NASA's Revolutionary Systems Concepts Academic Linkages competition are contributing their ideas by designing lunar outpost architectures that go beyond the scope of just how to live on the moon, but also establish a lunar economy. Each year, the competing teams convene at a forum to present their ideas to experts in the field. Realizing these missions will stretch the bounds of innovation, human health, and engineering, NASA sees direct connection to tapping the bright minds of undergraduate and graduate students. After all, establishing a lunar outpost may be the greatest feat of their generation. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. An artist's passion for music is born when the desire to create beauty is planted within them. Witness the stories behind the passion and performances on The Song That Changed My Life, Mondays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU-TV. There is an advantage to seeing a city from an artist's perspective. The history of most cities and towns, they're built around the local church. Traveling with Eric Dowdle allows you to really get inside some of the most scenic locations on planet Earth. And with a guide like folk artist Eric Dowdle, getting there is half the fun. I ran into Shaquille O'Neal. That's a mountain of a man there. 
Join us for Travelling with Eric Dowdle, Wednesdays at 9pm Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about service. Are you serving those around you? Are you receiving good service, customer service, all types of service? But before we get into our uh, wonderful guest, Susan Brooks, we are first going to basically tackle the idea of what to do when you haven't gotten the service you thought you needed. If your service wasn't good enough, did you complain about it? Here's a featurette from Corinne Collins about how she deals with bad food service. I'm a pretty regular restaurant frequenter, and like any self-respecting English woman, I like my service to be top-notch. Otherwise, guess what? I'm sending it back. My food, that is. If my food arrives to my table warm, or even worse, lukewarm, when it's supposed to be hot, I'm sending it back. If my steak isn't as rare as I want it to be, I'm sending it back. If my vegetables are overcooked, yes, that's right, I'm sending them back. So, as you can imagine, I pose a bit of a problem for servers and chefs, but only if they can't get it right. And I'm definitely not afraid to complain if things go wrong, and I have no problem asking for the manager. But it appears to be a pretty English thing. We don't like to pay for service and meals that are subpar, unless we're expecting them to be, just as we don't like people who cut in line, or jump the queue as we say, or the French. Okay, the last one was a joke. But we truly are sticklers when it comes to service. In fact, most of our supermarkets have a money-back guarantee where if the product isn't to your satisfaction, whether that's because of quality or simply because you don't like the taste of it, you can take it back for a refund. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, I cannot recall a time when I've noticed such a guarantee here. And I also can't remember how many times I've witnessed my mother write emails and letters of complaint. And I'm not afraid to do the same thing either. If the food isn't right, I'll send it back. If the service is bad and the server doesn't care, I'll ask for the manager. And if all else fails, I'll write a scathing letter of complaint to someone who cares, because I want to get my money's worth. And sure, it might be embarrassing or annoying for the server to take the food back to the kitchen, and I might look like a Gordon Ramsay wannabe, but I don't think it's unfair to get what you asked and paid for. Darn tootin'. Good work, Corinne Collins there. Uh, You need to get what you've paid for, for crying out loud. And we're now going to go to our expert on this, Susan Brooks. Uh, Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Matt. Thank you. Good to have you on. And I've spoken with um, Susan. We went to Aruba together and had a really great speech there, talked to a bunch of people. And she wows the audience, as you wouldn't believe it. She's got so much energy wrapped up in this cute little body, don't you, Susan? Well, it matches yours, my dear. Make sure that it's clear that we were on the platform together. Yeah. You and I didn't go yeah. to Aruba. We didn't just go hang out at Aruba. We exactly. actually we did hang out at Aruba, but with about 20 other people. 20 other, at least. But it was tons least. of fun. And, Susan, you now, you have such an interesting background for service. Cause, so here you are, master's degree in education. You were a school teacher. And then you go create a, a multi-million dollar cookie business, mail order business that you sell off. Tell us how you got from there to service. Well, service was at the very beginning of my journey, actually. You know, I grew up, Matt, with heroes like Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. who said, 
our greatness is determined by service. Oh, neat. So when I was a teacher, and of course as a beginning teacher, I got the lowest level of students. In other words, the ones that needed the English credit yeah. in order to graduate. They had failed so many times before. Well, they weren't particularly interested in the curriculum that was designed in diagramming a sentence or Beowulf. So right. when I realized that those students were my very first customers, I created a curriculum for them that dealt with job interviews, running hmm. a household budget, uh, it being able to put a resume together. So my students were my very first, my very oh, first great. customers. And you met and them where they the, were, right? I'm sorry? You met them where they were. They needed, they just needed some basic skills. So you start there. Exactly. And that's where you have to start anywhere. And just relating to the commentary that you had early on about yeah. complaining, uh, servers or partners are not mind readers. So unless you communicate, which That's she right. emphasized heavily uh, in, in her piece, that you communicate, nope, this isn't how I wanted it, no, I'm sorry, this quite, isn't quite right yet, yeah. then they have the opportunity to, to recover and show up as the heroes that right. they were meant to be in the beginning. So. And improve. I mean, it seems like we're, we're so afraid to say anything because we don't want to sound like we're complaining, and then we complain about the bad service. Right. So you're doing a disservice not only to the experience and to the particular person that's trying to serve you, whether right. it's in a restaurant or a retail store, uh, because they have no clue where they failed. You've right. never communicated that. So what good is that? And then you go around and tell all these people, but they didn't have a chance to show up. Now, that's when great. you go and talk to them and they still don't want to know, well, then... That's a different game. You know, all guns blazing that's on that right. one. Then you put that but on the Internet. When, Exactly. Well, <laughs> you know what? That is true. Yeah. But when I first started um, my company, I noticed that as a customer, rude is in, and uh, mediocrity was the norm, and apathy and that whatever attitude right. drove me crazy. So, yes, it was a cookie business, but one of our most important ingredients was what I call service enthusiasm. Hmm. And that was as important as the chocolate chips, I'll tell you that. Right so that now. was just you being excited to serve? You know, when you think, Matt, about each one of us and what we do, it's all about service. Absolutely. Look at what, what you're doing with this radio show. Look at what you do when you help couples. Look right. at what you it's it's all about service. And in business, I think what's really important really important as a core principle is that service is not a department. Mm. I had a customer once that told me, well, I have my 800 hotline and it's attached to a machine. That's where, that's where I, I offer customer service. Oh, no, that's not, not even no, close. No, not even close. So service is actually in the bloodstream of every relationship that flows through every communication, every transaction, every conversation and connection, and that is personally and professionally. So the question to ask uh, and the motivation to remember is to ask constantly, how can I serve? Mm-hmm. How can I serve? And when you designed this radio show, I'm sure that's where you started that's from. That's exactly. It's the spirit of it, isn't it? It's, it's, you say it's that lifeblood. It's the spirit of what is my goal. Is my goal to serve to get or is my goal to serve to give? Exactly. And it's a, diff- it's a completely different spirit, isn't it? 
Exactly. And when you bring that question and that core principle and spirit uh, to a relationship, again, that's whether it's with a partner, whether it's with your external customer, whether it's with your internal customer, your community, right. uh, it, that's the question. How can I serve? And, and it's such a powerful – it's such a powerful – and then in the end, the fruits will come from the spirit of it. If you have the right spirit, which is probably what happened in your business, if all of a sudden you actually care about what your customers are saying and you're trying to lift quality because they want higher quality and they want better pricing or even just reasonable pricing for higher quality, you, you, you met their need because you were giving them what they needed. And it you had know, to have boosted your sales. Absolutely. And you know, what customers want more than anything is to be seen and to be heard. Yeah. So if you're listening, if you're asking the right questions and you really want to know, your customers will tell you exactly how you're doing. And of course, your staff will too. And, and one of the most important um, exercises or processes that I suggest is seeing your business through your customer's eyes. Mm. Again, that's both the internal customer and the external because they have an agenda and their agendas are what you need to know in order to serve them. That's exactly right. They have the answer of what they need. You don't even need to give everything. Just get into them enough or try to understand what it is they want and work on that. Start there. Exactly. So for example, when someone is, is listening to your show, they have a need. They're interested in relationships. They're, they're interested in perhaps making theirs better or yeah. understanding how they can serve better. So they have a need, and they tune in, and they become regular listeners, and then they have an expectation. Well, Matt has to deliver today. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to get stimulated or That's inspired right. or some piece of information. So once you know what their need is, once you know what their expectation is uh, and, and how you can deliver it, then the, the next part of that conversation is, well, what's been their history? Well, where have you been? As customers, they've listened to a lot of radio shows. And mm-hmm. you know what? They start out good, but then yeah. they peter off. Or, you know what? Last, yesterday wasn't as good as today. Right. And it's inconsistent because, yeah. you know, as customers, we've learned to accept that excellence is a one-time thing. It doesn't always happen yeah, all the time. We don't see it consistently, do we? Exactly. So understanding the history, meaning all of those in your industry and how how they have defined service is where you get to really step it up. Oh, that's and great. then the last piece of that exercise is the emotion that they bring into it. So for example, I was in the cookie business, so you can imagine cookies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can use it to brighten my day or I can use it because I've had a lousy day that's and right. I need to pick it up. But the emotion that's involved in in listening to your show and buying cookies and going out to a restaurant, whether it's a, what happens if it's a special occasion? There's a lot of expectation and a lot of emotion wrapped in there. So the the person that's providing the service has a real opportunity to show up, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And notice what you're talking about in service is a lot of that's not really tangible. You're talking about understanding them. You're kind of talking about anticipating. You're talking about emotion and energy. It's kind of all of these intangibles. Exactly. And that's why training is so important, because you can provide a format, a structure. Don't 
please don't, but some do provide scripts. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Authenticity um, goes way down yeah. there because you can tell right away yeah. uh, that those are not their words. This is not a real human. Uh, just having a human is a big deal now because you press one and you go to this department. Oh. Six, you go, yeah, that drives me nuts. But uh, at least when you have a human being with a heartbeat, you stand a chance. Isn't that so? so train true. them, inspire them, make sure that they're they understand their contribution to the bigger picture, the mm-hmm. vision, and of course, full out self expression. Let them bring their personalities and who they are to the table. So yeah. all of those are great opportunities in business. Absolutely, they really are. And I, I one thing I love about that is, I mean, if I'm being sent to a you know some f- automated phone system. I, I have a sense of where you place me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of some cog that you want to move through your system as efficiently as possible, um, exactly. and, and, and it impacts. And so when we come back from this break, Susan, I want to have you talk a lot more about kind of the relationship side of this sure. and some mm-hmm. of the the self, because it seems like in our on our personal lives – we're, we're, some of us are just getting tired of it. We're getting mm-hmm. tired of it, and maybe it's starting to impact how we serve others or what we expect from our service and our personal relationships. I'll have you talk about that. I also um, want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you. They can go to servesyourright.net, and that's where they'll find your website with your company. Your company's called Serves You Right. Right. That's which is, correct. Which is, um, and it all depends on how you say it, Matt. It does. Serves you right or serves you right. That's exactly. Good. See how good you are, Susan. Well, love having you on the show. We will be back after this break with more of Susan and more ideas on how to get service in your life, how to create a habit of serving others, and create a space that's more nurturing and caring. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. This will take a while. This is a bit of a survey course question. What is a historian? It may be an intro level question, but I'm not sure there is a straightforward answer. It's almost, it's only worked out in the doing of it. There's a great quote by Bernard Balin. History is sometimes an art. It's never a science, but it's always a craft weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The American trade deficit dropped last month, a good economic sign amid poor job creation numbers. The trade deficit, in a hopeful sign for economic growth, fell 3.8% in May as American companies sold more products in Europe and China, while cheaper oil lowered the amount spent on imports. The Commerce Department says exports rose 0.2%, reflecting stronger sales of telecommunications equipment and heavy machinery. At the same time, imports dropped 0.7% as America's foreign oil bill fell to the lowest level in 15 months. The narrower trade gap puts less drag on the economy, allowing stronger growth. David Melendi, Washington. Syrian refugees are fleeing from the violence to Jordan by the thousands. Refugees from Syria are crowding Jordan's border towns and overflowing from makeshift camps, some living in cardboard-reinforced hovels and fields. About 140,000 refugees have fled to Jordan. The number is spiraling out of control, reaching more than 3,000 a week. It's a reflection of the escalating violence in Syria. Refugees tell of government forces taking everything they own and destroying their houses. 
Now Jordan's facing a humanitarian crisis. Tried to help them without angering Syria. Mark Levy, Cairo. Newly released minutes show that Fed officials are worried they may have to do more to help stimulate economic recovery. That's the prospect that Congress and the president won't be able to head off tax hikes and across-the-board spending cuts due to hit at the end of the year. Some estimates suggest the damaging result could be to trim GDP by as much as 4%. And newly released minutes from the meeting of central bank officials in June show concern about the possibility that Europe's debt crisis will curb the nation's economic growth. Mark Hamrick, Washington. A U.S.-born but British-based billionaire's death is being investigated by police as suspicious. Investigators are conducting tests in a bid to shed light on the death of Eva Rousing, one of Britain's richest women, whose body was found in her West London home. Her husband, Hans Rousing, has been arrested in connection with her death, which police are treating as unexplained. U.S.-born Eva Rousing was a supporter of a variety of causes, while she and her husband have both waged a long battle against drug addiction. Hans Rousing is an heir to the Tetra Pak fortune his father built as a globally successful manufacturer of laminated cardboard drink containers. Charles de Ledesma, London. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about service and uh, instilling, a, a, you know, a character of service in your life. How do you take service back and uh, and get it in every part of your life? So if you're a business owner, how do you increase service? And service from the heart, I think, is really what we're talking about. How do you do it as a husband, as a friend, as a partner, as a child? How do you instill this this ethic of service? And we're talking with Susan Brooks, the founder of Serves You Right, uh, and an author, speaker, past educator, and just a good friend, good woman who knows the importance of service. Susan, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Matt. I'm having a great time. Good. I'm so glad you're with us. And what I wanted to have you kind of talk about, so a lot of our listeners out there, I just kind of imagine some, you know, some of them are just, they're a dry, a truck driver or they're, uh, you know, just a mom running carpools or a dad doing something. What would you say is the best way to get service back just into the very personal lives of just an everyday person, not a business, you know, not an organization, mm-hmm. just your life? Again, whatever it is we're doing, each and every one of us, whatever choices we've made uh, on our careers, on our partners, uh, on our parenting, all of it, again, has service as the foundation of how, how we want to be in this world. Right. I mean, if, it, when we come from that position, then it defines itself as we move forward. So the first step and the first person that we need to serve, and this is the hardest for women, mm. hardest for women, is to serve yourself, and that's with a capital S, uh, first. Right. And women have a really hard time doing that. But isn't I mean, that selfish, about, Susan? That sounds so selfish. Well, it sounds <laughs> selfish because that's the a perspective. That's the but history, when you huh? think about it, if, if you have, if you give, and you take care of your 
your partner and your children and your employees and your community and your church and your and right. you're giving all the time then where are you getting that energy that authenticity that goodness restored if you're not taking care of yourself first and right. and literally without getting too personal here that is exactly what happened with me and I created illness I burned out because I didn't take a rest or I didn't eat properly I was so busy serving others that I forgot about myself and ended up really having having to take a time out and uh, because I'm, I love to serve, sure. I mean, that's, my license plate says it, my life says it, you know, <laughs> I live everything. to serve and I love to serve. But as my grandmother taught me early on, after me, Susan, you come first. Oh, and she was a businesswoman, the matriarch in our family, a uh, very successful businesswoman. And yet, if she didn't make sure that she ate right and that she had the exercise that she needed even back in those days, uh, and that she had the rest or the uh, two weeks vacation or whatever it was that she needed. Right. For women especially, this is the hardest. And, of course, I think about your wife, yeah. Matt, with oh, six yeah. children. Six kids and, and me. And and you. <laughs> That's seven kids. Job right Tell me there. about it. I hear about it so every night. Women have a hard time, especially men do too. Yeah. Uh, but making sure that, you know, if, if, if it's a truck driver and he's already been or she has been driving for 14 hours on the road and yet there's a deadline, you need mm-hmm. to get Gotta there by pushing. a certain time. It's not going to do anybody any good if heavens forbid there's an accident or you fall asleep at the wheel it's worth it to take some me time in there and absolutely whether that's a a cat nap or whether that's going for a woman many times for a a mani pedi uh, or just going out into nature for 30 minutes and just taking a break uh, and and saying you know what kids I'll be right back you know point someone to be in charge but I I need a break and not wait till that point, but just say, every morning I meditate, every morning I pray, every morning mommy is not here until this hour. You know, yeah. you train people on how you want to be treated. Well, that's so, Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa said, oh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was like, in order to keep the lamp burning, you have to put oil in it. There it is. So you, it is. You, have to, it's, you have to renew, you have to recreate, recreate. Absolutely. And so part Absolutely. Of, that's all you're arguing is, hey— we have to take care of it. We have to serve ourselves. And it shouldn't, interestingly, it shouldn't even, to put oil back in yourself or just to eat right and sleep right shouldn't be even seen as a service. But in our no. culture, it almost has to be, huh? It's like an indulgence. Exactly. And that's where you have to take your your control back and say, I deserve this. I'm yeah. worthy of this. And And the more that I take care of me, the more I can give to others. Love it. So that's where it begins. Now, when you talk about service and relationships, specifically with partners. This goes back to what we talked about earlier. No one is a mind reader. That's right. So, for example, Barry and I, my husband and I, are married 45 years. Wow. Congratulations, by the way. I'm not even that old. I'm only 47. (laughs) That is weird. He married a two-year-old, Susan. (laughs) That is so strange. It was an arranged marriage. I don't know. It had to have been. When we first got married, in fact, for many years, maybe for the first five, we, when we are, get a flu or a cold, I hate to be talking about illness, but it's no. a priority right now in my <laughs> life. Well, my husband 
when he is sick, which is, you know, I think in our 45 years, maybe three days, you know, oh, that wow. That's because you take he, such great care of him. He, well, you know what? He likes to be left alone. Don't bother me. Yeah. Don't ask me. Don't get for me. Don't do, <laughs> just, just get out of my leave way. Leave me yeah. alone. Yep. So guess what I'm like when I'm sick? You want the time, attention, help. Yeah. I want you to bring home the magazines and the flowers. I want you to wipe my brow. Do you really? Oh, look at you. I want all the attention in the world. Yeah. So naturally, when we first got married, I treated him the way I wanted <laughs> sure. to be treated. And he drove, you drove him crazy. And when I got sick, he left me alone, which pissed me That's off. That's so rude. That is so rude. Why doesn't he think of you? Isn't that funny? But that's true. That's how we it all is, are. It is exactly. So now that we're married 45 years and we've obviously, you know, had some incredible moments that challenge the continuity of our relationship. And right. it's, it's easy to walk out the door. It's a lot harder to stay in and keep it's talking so about true. it and oh, yeah. work it through. Yep. But the point is, is that now we ask for what we need. And if if this is what you need, so this is how I can serve you. This is, okay. you know what, this is what I need you to do for me, because I really appreciate that. And I acknowledge that, and he does the same for me. So That's with partners, great. the main thing is, is talking and communicating and listening yeah. to what that person is not only saying, but reading between the lines, because it's hard to ask for what you need. Well, yeah, you almost you know, think hard, if you love me, you would say, just know. Well, come on, but, Susan. I've been married to you for 45 years. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll give you another perfect example. He is a teaser. He mm. loves to tease. I hate teasing. <laughs> I, I find that annoying, really annoying. So the other day, we're getting ready to go see our grandchildren, and Barry comes over and he does that thing, you know, where you point to something like something on your shirt, yeah, and I oh, look yeah. down and he hits my nose. Uh huh. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Did he stir the hive? It was not a pretty picture. <laughs> Hi-ya! Did you go off on him, Susan? I, and he just couldn't, he said, I can't believe you're reacting that way. I'm being I playful. Can't believe you're, let go of it already. Well, you know what? Isn't that interesting? It was a trust violation. Yeah, he should have known. He, he knew. I don't like that. So <laughs> when, when you're talking about relationships, um, of all sorts, of all levels, and you're talking about the service enthusiasm that we're talking about in, right across the board. Yeah. Trust is a really important piece. Yeah, it is. It also it's seems like, I, I think you're right on with the trust. It seems like you, people then say, well, oh, see, you, you can't even accept me for how I am. It's almost like, to me, service is me loving you your way, even though it's not my way, I'll do it your way. There it is, Matt. Versus Bingo. versus somebody thinking, well, you should just you should just learn to let me poke you in the nose. Like, what's right. your problem? Well, I mean, he could have gone there, but service is again, I guess, the spirit that exists in between us that says, "I am here to serve you and make your life better." Yeah. Where do I what begin? We really want we want to be happy. Mm-hmm. So why would you do something that that doesn't serve? Right. Why would you want to do something that antagonizes or pushback? You know, the, the trust, which is obviously those, um, well, certainly it's faith, certainly it's yeah. those belief systems that, right. that support our higher goodness and mm-hmm. self, integrity. What, what could be more important in any service relationship than knowing that truth is the most 
important aspect of who you are, hmm. how you serve. So it, it's not a question about is anyone watching you uh, to, to do the to right do this. thing. you doing the right thing because you know it's the right thing. Well, and then the, I, there's, and there's your trust. And then all of a sudden you've created this intangible economy between us where now I am, I'm bought into you because right. I know you will honor me. Right. You will honor what you know about me, and I have a trust in that. And, and think of that as a competitive advantage in business, in marriage, in life, in relationships, is All the, of those. the mere fact that I know I can trust you to serve effectively. And it doesn't mean like that you're just going to kowtow and give me everything I want. You can still, no, by the, I even think, because the best service ever sometimes is pushback. Absolutely. That's information. Yeah. And really what we're talking about is an invisible contract. I you love know, it. Something that, that has a, an agreement of commitment. And there's that word yeah. that I'm sure you hear. It's all. back. <laughs> it's so back. It's true. <laughs> commitment, you know, the C word. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's really doing what you say you will do and, and doing it with the integrity of doing the best that you can in any and every situation. So um, the next level of service relationship that, that we wanted to talk about was serving community. Yeah. Well, that's about being a good neighbor. What does that look like for you when I say serving community? What does that, how does that show up? I, I kind of see it as actually knowing your neighbors. And now there's a there's isn't that a, weird? Because yeah. that seems like a big one today. That there's just not a lot of people that know even who they live by. There's not this right. sense of camaraderie, this sense of community. Like we have a neighbor that if our garage door is up, they're they're calling us. Like if it's up at midnight, or, and our, you know they're going to be calling us. I have others that uh, I had a uh, my father was being a good neighborly guy and trying to help the neighbor put a dog back that the neighbor was out of town. He was sure the dog had jumped the fence, and so mm-hmm. my dad chased this neighbor's dog down and grabbed it and was forcing this dog over a fence. And then <laughs> the, the postal worker pulls up and says, "Hey, what are you doing?" He goes, "I'm just putting oh. this dog back." He goes, "That dog belongs three blocks over." And the, my dad was trying to put the wrong dog in the wrong backyard. Mm. Now, so With service could go. Intentions, totally of best of intentions, but he could have killed the dog for crying out loud, Susan. Well, you know, we're just not done anything, which <laughs> is, right. of course, what most people. But that's the community people. we're talking about, right? Have a neighbor right. that gives, that knows even your dog. Absolutely, and and recognizes uh, what they do is important, whether they keep their their lawn mowed, yeah. uh, trash picked up. Safety is a really big issue, and obviously, um, you know, that, that we volunteer when there are block parties or right. events that we, we sh- how can I serve? That's like every que- everywhere you go, I love that. that's the question. How, how can I serve? And then the ultimate is, of course, serving a cause, serving something that's, that's bigger than you are, something that you're passionate about or you feel that is such an, a social injustice that it moves your, your passion into action. So for me, for example, I have this very strong commitment to helping women find their voice mm. and speak their truth. So I went all the way to China to serve uh, young women um, because I had heard that, I had read that China has the highest suicide rate for women oh, in the really? entire world. 
So it was at a university that I was able to um, to connect with 87 young women and have them start thinking wow. of themselves as global leaders. Very mm-hmm. exciting. And then I come home and I'm, I'm active with the Girl Scouts. You know, oh. I mean, young women have, that's our future. That's yep. how can I serve? So it's whatever, sometimes it's animals, sometimes it's um, nature, our environment. Yeah. We have a lot of issues that we can that Fix. need fixing. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and more importantly, it's your, again, it's the spirit of you, of you just simply saying, how can I serve? Where can I where where can I change the world? You know, we can start with ourselves. We can start with our relationships, and we can eventually make a huge dent in a little part of the world. Absolutely, and if we all did that, Ugh. the world would be a better place. Can you imagine? Yes. It well, would be I a think. Pretty- I think you've motivated us to do it, uh, Susan. Sure. I appreciate so much you being on the call. Now, if they want to get more information about you, where do they go? ServesYouRight.net? Is that where it would be the best yes. place to find you? Yes. And, and what I'd like to mention is, of course, during this time when change is changing so fast, uh, certainly recovering and still knee-deep in it, in this economic tsunami that we're going through. Right. We, we're looking for role models and pioneers uh, who can obviously really step up in a very brave and courageous way so that they then can inspire others. And that's my second book, which is coming out in the oh, fall. Oh, great. What's that? Never asked, man. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> it's called Outrageous, Courageous, and Highly Contagious. Oh, excellent. And Service enthusiasm, once again, is the foundation, but I have been blessed to attract about 25 people from around the world that are living large, and I tell their story and weave my own in between that, and hopefully inspire others to step it up in their lives. So pretty exciting, all good stuff. Susan Brooks, you are the best, a light in the world. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. I'd love to do it again and again. We will for sure. And uh, anybody that wants to get a hold of Susan can uh, find her at servesyourright.net. Excellent, excellent uh, human being and changing the world one person at a time. Go ask yourself, folks, how can I serve? You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. A fleet of robotic ocean explorers powered by the waves themselves. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. NASA astronaut Ed Liu spent months on the International Space Station, where he got a good look at the vastness of Earth's oceans from high above. Now he sees them from a different angle. Retired from NASA, Lou joined a company called Liquid Robotics and is working on autonomous ocean surveyors called wave gliders. Looking like surfboards with solar panels on top and wavelength vanes underneath, their water wings capture the free energy of passing waves and convert it into propulsion for the platform. Solar panels power the craft's sensors and radio links. Remote operators drive wave gliders any place on the ocean they need to go, and they can stay at sea indefinitely, gathering data for scientific and industrial needs. Recently, Liquid Robotics sent a fleet of wave gliders on a record-setting 300-day, 60,000-kilometer expedition from Hawaii to Japan and Australia. Scientists participating in the PAC-X contest by Ed's company could win six months of free access to the probes to gather any data they like. 
The rest of us can follow their progress on Google Earth Ocean. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU TV. Richard and Linda Iyer are world-traveling family coaches, and they have some advice for you. From how to deal with a rebellious teenager to managing a family reunion, the Ayers have experienced it all. Wherever they happen to be traveling in the world, you can always find them here Monday through Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up the show today uh, with this final segment, talking about service and how you get service into your lives. I just think there's so many things that get in the way that make it hard, I guess, for us to to be able to serve just a lot of ways we think, what we think we can do, what we think we can't do. Now, at some point, we need to learn that we are simply human, right? And we don't have the time to do everything that's asked of us. Here's Tom Brinton helping us learn to say no. Do you ever have a hard time saying no to people? No, 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 no. I know it can be a struggle for me. I couldn't even say no to doing this feature on how to say no. Guess there's a reason it was assigned to me. The desire to be agreeable is very natural. We want to be a good team player, we don't want to leave people in a lurch, or we're just worried we may damage a relationship by virtue of our refusal. A recent Jim Carrey movie called Yes Man highlighted the benefits of saying yes to life. Yes man. Wow. Yes! Yes! No. You say no to life, and therefore you're not living. But saying yes to some things is also saying no to others. A few examples. If you say yes to a relationship with someone you don't like, you're really saying no to a fulfilling one down the road. If you say yes to an activity you don't enjoy, you're saying no to hobbies that you love. And if you say yes to a job that isn't fulfilling, you're saying no to your career ambitions. However, life isn't always so ideal as these examples. Sometimes you do need to do the things that are hard instead of only doing what is most enjoyable. Sometimes you do need to work on failing relationships instead of just moving on. The real key to learning when to say no is self-respect. Do you respect yourself? Do you see your own time and energy as valuable? When you have this perspective, you're able to say no to things you realize are really of little worth to you and your loved ones. Dieter F. Uchtdorf, a member of the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, had this to say about prioritizing our opportunities. My dear brothers and sisters, we would do well to slow down a little. Proceed at the optimum speed for our circumstances, 
focus on the significant, lift up our eyes, and truly see the things that matter most. Let us be mindful of the foundational precepts our Heavenly Father has given to His children. They will teach us to do all these things in wisdom and order. For it is not requisite that we should run faster than we have strength. Most difficult is saying no to good things to make room in life for the best things. But if you have a healthy self-respect and a solid idea of your personal and family goals, you can learn when to say yes and when it's best to just say no. Tom Brenton uh, bringing us the good word there. Appreciate that. It's so true. Uh, There's so many things that are good to say yes to. And then there are so many things that we may be overlooking that are maybe even more important to say yes to. It's interesting. When you say yes to somebody, you're inherently going to be saying no to someone else and vice versa. When you're saying no to something, you're inherently saying yes to something else. I guess one of the keys then is to figure out what are the things we should be saying yes to. And one of the age-old uh, pearls of wisdom, I guess I would call it, is the, the concept of service. There's probably not a concept more inherently good for you than just to learn the art of serving another person. That spirit of service that uh, Susan Brooks kept bringing up, how can I serve you? There's power in that when all of a sudden you just realize that there's goodness that comes from serving. So on the show today, I want to challenge you. No matter where you are in life, if you're driving home from work, I challenge you to go home and start serving. Start helping with the housework. Start cleaning up. Start making that dinner. Think of the people that need to be served. Think of the people that you're being prompted to call and get on the phone and call them. I remember um, after a long day at church, we took our kids. They were starving to death. And we had one more visit we wanted to run and do, just this visit of this really cute family that we visit, that uh, an elderly couple that had been married 70-something years. And we went to visit them. We ended up spending an hour, which an hour in child time is like eternity. And I remember as they were tired, but my kids just kind of sat there. They loved these people. They served them as my kids do by just kind of quietly sitting there and loving them. They hugged them at the end. They gave them the cute old grandma-grandpa hug, even though they're not related. And, you know, they weren't grossed out, even though they may have felt that just because that's how little kids are when they got to kiss old people sometimes. And then we got in the car and I said, you guys okay with that? How'd that go? How'd you feel about that? And this is the basic point. My son said, you know what, Dad, it sure feels good when we serve them that way. The benefit of service, my friends, is it makes us feel good. And the reason it makes us feel good, I believe, is because it's right. And when we do what's right, we feel good. So the challenge for you from the Matt Townsend Show is get out there and make make yourself feel good. Serve somebody today. Try to find ways to even serve yourself so you can put some oil back in the lamps and even bring more light to more people out there. We love having you listen into the show. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to get a hold of us, give us show ideas, topics you want us to discuss, just email us at mattchat at byu.edu. That's mattchat at byu.edu. Thanks for listening, and go serve. It will make you feel good. I promise, everybody. Again, we're here every Monday through Friday, uh, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Replayed again at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Hope to talk to you tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education.